I'm Jared Walker, and my partner in banter for all things filmic today is Damo Perompka. Hello. The, the next film I want to review is the new Adam Sandler film, Uncut Gems. How are you doing, Holly? How's it going? Good face, Sock. All right, Larry, you're a Jew again. Welcome back. I made a crazy risk and gamble. It's about to pay off. So I want the Celtics to cover. I want the Celtics halftime. I want Garnett points and rebounds. What do you know? I don't know. I just know. Well, I'll tell you what I know. It's the dumbest fucking bet I ever heard of. I disagree. I disagree, Gary. You're taking my money all over town, placing bets. I'm having very serious second thoughts. Are you serious right now? I know I fucked up. Howard, where's the money right now? Howard, got my money? Howard! Howard! Is it too late? I'm done. That means nothing. It meant nothing. Please. Give me another shot. You like to win, right? This is no different than that. Black June power, nigga. This is my fucking way. You think I'm stupid, Howard? You and your whole fucking family. I heard you free surf at your fucking swimming pool. I, you know how that makes me feel? Never free surf. You think surf your life is more important than my I don't life. know who said that. I told you about how things were gonna go. You like the way things are going now? That's my family. Get the kids out of the house. You having a good time? Yes. This is me. This is how I win. Jay, Jay, it's game night. You should be stretching out. Yeah, what is he, a coach? Nah, he's just a fucking crazy-ass Jew. Uncut Gems is directed by Josh and Benny Safdie, and they made, uh, they've made a few films, but their previous film, Good Time, starred Robert Pattinson. It's on Netflix and is well worth checking out. That is also another what I would call anxiety thriller, which is much like this. Um, set in New York, and that film is about a young criminal played by Robert Pattinson and his younger brother, who is special needs, played by uh, one of the directors, played by Benny Safty. Basically, one night in New York, on the run from a bank job that goes wrong, to hide and to keep his brother safe, and it is an intense ride. Now, Uncut Gems is much in the same vein, and essentially... Has Adam Sandler, who in this gives, I can only say, not a, I would not say it's a revelatory performance because I think he was pretty amazing in Punch Drunk Love as well, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's 2004 film. I thought that was tremendous. Mm. Um, but in this, this is the first time since then that I've watched Adam Sandler act and seen him kind of disappear into a role. Regardless of what you think about the actual film, I think his performance is pretty astonishing. He does play this manic gambling addict and he's risk addicted. So he's addicted to 
bad decision-making and bad choices. Admittedly, the humor comes from incredulity. Like you're just shaking your head thinking, this guy is mad. He is insane. And that's kind of part of the deal you make when you go on the ride. Is It's, it's 2012, Howard Ratner, played by uh, Adam Sandler. He runs a jewelry store in New York's Diamond District. Uh, she's struggling to pay back gambling debts. He's struggling to pay back a hundred grand to a loan shark named Arno. He has a domestic life that's split between his employee, who's also his mistress, uh, Julia, uh, played by Julia Fox. Uh, it's actually her first film, and his estranged wife, Dinah who's played by Adina Menzel, or as John Travolta likes to call her, the wickedly talented <laughs> I Adele. saw her name in the credits yeah. and went, oh, I'm not saying that one out loud. Adele, Adele Nazim, I believe John Travolta once called her at the Oscars. But uh, his estranged wife, Dinah, and uh, she's agreed to divorce him after Passover, which is impending. And one day Howard receives uh, the rock that we saw at the beginning of the film. It's hidden in a crate of fish, so he's basically had it smuggled in. He's estimating that the value of the rock is a million bucks. He's planning to auction it off. At the same time, he's in the back of his store. He's so obsessed with this gem, and a customer comes in. He brings, uh, it's Lakeith Stanfield, uh, plays a character named uh, Demony, and he brings in a basketball player, Kevin Garnett, who's a real basketball player. Uh, NBA All-Star, Garnett sees the opal. And this is the key moment where Adam Sandler's character, Howard, is so obsessed with this gem. He's so obsessed with the beauty of it. He's amazed by it. And he's kind of lost in this moment. He shows this basketball player, look at this, look at this. The basketball player sees it and says, this is amazing. This is also beautiful. And it suddenly, it resonates uncomfortably all too (laughs) well with the player, the basketball player. And he insists on taking it. And so as collateral, he gives his NBA ring, championship ring, to Adam Sandler's Howard and says, take this as collateral. I'll give it to you tomorrow morning. I'm going to take it. It's going to bring me good luck at the game tonight, which Adam Sandler's character is freaked out by, but through a series of terrible decisions, decides to allow this guy to take this huge chunk of black opal in the hope that the guy's going to bring it back. Again, this is the first of many, many bad decisions that this character makes where you're just almost screaming at the screen like, what are you, insane? And uh, basically, (laughs) I can hear Damo's ready to say stuff. But I found this quite exhilarating. But again, I quite like tense anxious films about sort of frenetic manic characters. I could probably go through quite a few actually, but I won't. But I thought this was shot really well. I thought Who's I loved, the cinematographer? That's what I've got. Yeah, the cinematographer is Darius Conji. Now, yeah, yeah, yeah. he is probably best known to people as uh, the dude that shot um, Seven for David Fincher. He shot uh, Alien Resurrection for Jean-Pierre Jeunet. He's uh, actually, the guy's made... Uh, a Some lot of films, films that look stunning. He's worked with Woody Allen a lot. He's worked with um, Wong Kar Wai. He's okay. worked with Richard Longcrane, Sidney Pollack, Danny Boyle. He shot The Beach for Danny Boyle. He's worked with Bong Joon-ho as well, did Okja. But very, very good cinematography. But what I loved most about this film is the freewheeling, frenetic nature of the way it was shot. And that is Adam Sandler is involved in numerous street scenes where he's walking along through the Diamond District, screaming and yelling on his phone and talking. And there are sequences where people walk into frame, go, hey, I noticed this because I heard an interview with the director and I watched it again just because he was talking about it. And you can see this guy walks into frame and goes, hey, how you doing again? Sandler, he's talking on the phone. Get the fuck away from me. Screams at the guy. He's in character. 
And the guy just has this look on his face like, oh my God. And then it just disappears because obviously he thinks he's approaching Adam Sandler, not Howard. And I would say that this is Sandler's best performance. I'd, if he's ever going to get nominated for an Oscar again, um, I, I I just can't see it. If, it. if this doesn't do it, I don't know what will. He definitely so deserves you, a nomination. Are you, are you noticing my quietness? Yeah, well, I'm waiting. I'm getting all my... Uh, my, uh, look, I loved this film. I loved it. I actually I, think it's I on my I loved hearing you describe it um, okay. more than I enjoyed it. Okay. Well, what was your reaction to Uncut Gems? Hideous, hateful, stress-inducing mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've uh, been called that a few times <laughs> in my life. I, from the, I, I did not enjoy the music the, from right from the beginning. I'm yep. thinking we've got this... This Giorgio Moroder nonsense, yes, yeah, overbearing. Yeah, I don't like to be. I want to find the positives in mm. whatever I whatever I can because I it, go to the movies, see mm. a movie. It's an art form. It's worth doing. But I didn't like this. I loved it. I loved it. I Ye- loved it. You know, yelling it, it, is not it, acting. Um, I understand. Every that. everyone yelled. Everyone yelled. Yeah, yeah everyone's yelling. But. That is, um, as as I understand it, that's very much in keeping with the Diamond District when you go into these jewellers. They're not um, Tiffany's where it's kind of quiet and everybody's looking See, at jewellery. If, if I heard it's, you... It is a cacophony of noise and, and overlapping. People are shouting and talking. It's just a very New York If kind I of hadn't seen the film and listened to you describe it, mm. I'd go, awesome. But listening to you describe it you feel and, like a... and having seen it... I watched an entirely different film to you. I don't know whether it's Oscar worthy. Mm. Oh, wow. Okay. Right. It was good, mm. but if if Punch Drunk Love, mm. I thought that was a great film. It was a nice, subtle performance. This, I don't want people just yelling at me for two and a half hours. <laughs> but that is uh, that is the milieu that's kind of in, you know. That's the it's the um, the the trading, the the diamond wholesaler. That it's also the shonky means by which they. But even happen they're upon sitting the around the family dinner table at that that big family dinner gathering. Yeah. Even that was quite. Hateful and intense, and yeah, I guess it's tell just, me which character yeah. is the one I'm empathising with. Then that would that would I guess that kind of comes to to the question of do you, you don't necessarily, in my opinion, anyway, you don't need to like a character in order to experience the story with them. That's a fair point, but I just. I don't have a problem with overlapping dialogue. That's yes. happened. At Robert Altman does it all the time. And well, I was going to say it's very Altman-esque, where everybody's mic'd, where there's five or six conversations going on in this jewelry store, for example, all all at the same time. Yeah, and you almost have to pick which conversation you're focusing on. Yeah, and it's done in order to stress you, because that That's that is said. That, that it's pure. It, it, it's just anxiety-inducing trying to focus on one thing when you've got a, a noise in the background. Anyone who's got kids will understand that or anyone who's been around kids and you're at some family function and you're trying to have a conversation and it's just noise around you. It's stress-inducing. And as a device, I think that works. I mean, look, the, the, the critical acclaim is not universal, but it does have, uh, it does have a pretty good rating on uh, Rotten Tomatoes. I think it's like 92%. You're going to love it or you're going to hate that's it? What I, I think that's what I like about it. It's a polarizing film and that's kind of what I really dig about it. And um, I, I th- yeah, but you know what? I totally understand why you would feel that way. And I totally understand why it didn't gel with you because it's, 
it, it is that. What you're <laughs> what you're telling me you watched is exactly what I watched. But for me, I'm just kind of looking at it in awe of what Sandler's doing. I really do think that, that his performance is it, it's different than anything else he's done. He really is kind of in the zone, especially these moments where you watch him in the thrall of his gambling addiction. A bit of research reading up on how they shot it and how they stuck him in rooms with real bookies and they didn't tell anyone. And so people are talking to him as if he's Adam Sandler, but he's Howard. He's got his those little those small little glasses on uh, with the tinted lenses. Um, he's wearing his out, you know his silk shirts and stuff, and he's responding to them as he, as he does in character. But he picked up a lot of stuff off those bookies as well. The way they behave, the sort of obsessiveness when it comes to watching games. There's a sequence where he's supposed to be putting his kid to bed, and he's too busy watching a, a basketball game he's on, on his, his phone. phone. He is a, a reprehensible character. You are watching someone circling the drain, and that's kind of what this film is. It's like the yeah, and one circling night. him is a whole stack of reprehensible characters. Yeah, there's a lot of people that are using him. Constantly, and it's his inability to take control of his of his of the mess that he creates. He can't he can't sort of grab the reins. It's just out of control. He, you are in a sports car that no one's driving, and he's just in there screaming and yelling. And you're like, dude, this is not going to go anywhere good. I don't know. I found something quite hypnotic about it. But then again, I was kind of initiated into their style. I kind of had an idea of what this film was going to be be like after Good Time. And I didn't know. I've never heard of them before. Yeah. I, was, I was reading up about it. And it's um, like, oh, I haven't seen any of that. I'd be intrigued if you watch Good Time to see what you thought of that because it's a similar you just, style. You just but it's not it, the same said it was story. A, okay. It's Good Time. Robert Pattinson. That was. But the, he's that uh, Twilight Kitty, isn't he? He's, twi- he's Batman. What? He's Batman. He's a new Batman. Robert Pattinson. So I'm not watching any more Batman. <laughs> I I rate Robert Pattinson. Um, I'm going to quickly just go through. Robert Pattinson did, I believe, what you should do when you leave a franchise that's kind of enveloping you and and has totally taken over your uh, people's perceptions of who you are. He went completely left field and he made films with David Cronenberg. He made uh, Cosmopolis, which was a very strange film. He made uh, Maps to the Stars with John Cusack and Julianne Moore about a sort of elite Hollywood rich family and just how disconnected they are. He was terrific in that. He made High Life with uh, Claire Denis, the French filmmaker, and it's sort of like a Solaris-style um, art house space film that was actually out quite recently. He was in Lost City of Z with Charlie Hunnam, where they played Amazon explorers, and uh, that left that left me lucky. I liked it, yeah, well, but it left me lucky. Yeah, again, so. I, I would say that was James Gray actually who made Ad Astra. But he's stridently going out of his way. The Rover with Guy Pearce is another one that I'd re- I would recommend. Just different. He's going for roles that are completely what you uh, do not expect from him mm-hmm. just to show his range. And I think that's helped because people might not necessarily watch those films. When I say people, I mean the average pop, the average punter is not going to turn that film into a $500 million blockbuster. But the people that do watch those sort of films are film producers. Mm-hmm. And people that love watching Art House, mm-hmm. and they will watch it and go, "Oh, Robert Pattinson's pretty good in that. Maybe we should put him on the short list for Batman." And then, bang, that's how he got Batman, which is being directed by Matt Reeves, who made the Apes trilogy, the Dawn. Well, he made the the two, War of the Planet of the Apes, Rise, uh, not Rise. He made the second one. Oh, I get it all. They're all out of order. Shouldn't Rise come after Dawn? I don't know what's going on with it. Sort out your naming protocols exactly. for your Planet Gee. of the Apes films. Come on, what's going on? But anyway, Matt Reeves, very talented filmmaker, and he's making Batman with Robert Pattinson. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that is a total sort of trip down film regurgitating lane. Sorry, I'm just. Uh, anyway, back to. Um, <laughs> 
Okay, James, well, you didn't but like it. Well, I liked it. It's good. Uh, I highly recommend it. It's actually, it's worth watching just to see what your reaction might be. Um, and I love films like that where it's, you're not going to walk out. You're not going to walk out of the cinema and think, well, that was tepid. That was limp. That was, I didn't, I don't even really know how to feel about that. Hideous, it, hateful, stress inducing mess. Yeah. Well, you know what? You may flip a coin. You'll flip your cinematic taste coin and you may come up on the side where this will be the best film you'll see this year, which is kind of where I am on it. I think it's one of the best films I've seen this year. But you might come down the other side where it's early just, January. I would say twenty nine. I'll say twenty nineteen. I'm including it in twenty nineteen. It was okay. released in America in twenty nineteen. Right. So it's on Netflix. It lands on Netflix January thirty first, and I highly recommend you watch it. It's a pity it's not going to get a wide cinema release because it would be great to see it in a cinema. But you would leave just sort of shaking whether or not you're going to enjoy that experience. Some people like roller coasters. Some people don't. I like roller coasters. Yeah, I hate them. (laughs) (laughs) There we go. That was Uncut Gems. So uh, you can check out our older podcasts, uh, my other print reviews, uh, other radio movie reviews, uh, audio clips at generaladmissions.org. And you can follow me on Twitter at Jared Walker. That's double R-O-D like overdose. Damo, where can people follow your activities? I'm on the Twitters as well at uh, Damo Loves Movies. There we go. People, have a good one. Talk to you next time. See ya. See ya.